0: Welcome to the Crossing today. Glad you're with us. And I love that song where the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's a verse that comes out of Nehemiah. And that really is partly where we just want to get to in that. So I also want to welcome our Southeast Campus. They're two weeks away from their one-year anniversary. Our microsites and our uh, those watching online. Can we just give them a huge welcome? Let them know we're glad they're part of the Crossing family with us. Well, to start off today... I want you to think about the happiest, most joyful person you know. Now, I'm not talking about the fake happy person. They kind of just, you know, fakes it all the way through. But somebody who is authentically joyful. They're grateful in their life. They're, they're confident in their relationship with God. They look forward to the future. They just bring life and energy into you. You like to be around them. Because you just feel better about yourself after you've been with them. Now, I want you to think about the unhappiest, most joy-challenged person you know. They're they're negative. They're bitter. They complain all the time. They're just miserable most of the time. Now, think about that person. Don't look at them. Don't (laughs) elbow them. Just think about them. Because nobody wants to be that guy. And maybe you feel like you are becoming that guy more than you want to admit. Well, today we're going to talk about the very thing that may stand in the way of you truly experiencing joy. So if you have your Bible apps or you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. We are in week 4 of our series that we're calling More Than Happy, and we're basing this series on the book of Philippians because he talks more about joy in this book than any other book in the Bible. And as you know, the Apostle Paul writes this from a prison cell, but I want to give you the backstory of how he ended up there. Paul has been traveling throughout Europe, starting churches. Philippi, this church here, was the very first one that he started. And years later, he's continuing to start churches. And he goes back to Jerusalem. And he goes to the temple to teach about Jesus. And while he is teaching about Jesus there, the Jewish leaders were furious. And they want to get rid of him. And so they incite this riot and a mob attacks him and drags him outside of the temple and they are about to beat him to death. And then someone calls the police who happen to be the Romans and this Roman guard shows up and arrests Paul. And they are getting ready to flog him and Paul says, You know, I'm not only Jewish, but I'm also a Roman citizen. Isn't it against the law to flog me? Well, this changes everything. And so he finally appeals his sentence, and they send him to Rome for trial. And so he's under arrest, and they put him on a ship towards Rome. And then when he's on the ship, a storm comes up, and it blows them into the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and for two weeks they are lost at sea. Now, can you imagine perhaps being chained at the bottom of this ship in the middle of a storm, you know, just aimlessly going somewhere? Well, they wash ashore, and they're shipwrecked for three months. And finally, they get another ship to take all of these people to Rome, and he ends up in Rome, and he's in prison for two years waiting his trial. He's under house arrest. And after two, maybe three years, they come to his house one day. And they said, Paul, we're going to take a walk together and was typical with high profile prisoners. They walk him outside of the city three or four miles, maybe allowing a few people to accompany him and they beheaded him in private. And that was the end of the apostle Paul's life. So you would think if anyone has the right to complain, if anyone has the right to be bitter, it would be him. But he's the one who writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you didn't get it, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Which means that you can have joy no matter your circumstance. No matter where you are, you can have joy. And we're going to pick this up in chapter 2, and we're going to talk about the thing that perhaps stands in the way of your joy. And here's how he starts off. He says, "Therefore, my dear friends, have you have you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now in my absence? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Well, whenever the Bible starts out with "therefore," you need to ask, "What is it there for?" And the Apostle Paul has just got done talking about Jesus. He's just said, "You know, Jesus, who was the very nature God." did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a slave and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He just got done talking about that. So he says, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but in my absence, because he's been gone for 10 years, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I don't know if you're like me, But I used to read this, and this would make me nervous, to work out your salvation. So what does that mean? Well, let me tell you first what it does not mean. It does not mean work for your salvation. See, Paul is writing this to Christians. These are the ones who are already saved. He had referred to them in chapter 1 as saints, that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace. Some of you in here right now, you are trying to work for your salvation. And what you tell yourself is, as soon as I'm good enough, then I'll come to Jesus. You're trying to work for your salvation, and it is impossible. You are saved by grace and by grace alone. There is nothing you can do to work for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to be good enough. This idea to work out your salvation is the idea to work it to full completion. You remember in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says that he who began a good work in you, God who began a good work in you, will carry it to completion. That it is God's job to complete this good work that he started in you. And it is your job to participate with your Heavenly Father on that journey. And I love how they use this word. They would use this word, this workout, they would use it in referring to a gold mine. That they would go into a gold mine and they would work out all of the gold that was in that mine. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, those of you, you're saved. So now work out all of the gold that God has, all of the stuff that God has for your life. You dig it out. Don't leave anything on the table. And he goes on and he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you to fulfill his good purpose. That means that God working in you is not just about making you a better person. That God's working in you is not just so you will sin less. It's not just so that you will be good. God's work in you is ultimately about fulfilling his purpose. See, here's the deal. God has a purpose on this earth. He has a purpose, and God works in you to help fulfill his purpose, that you become this partner with God as he is working, which means God has a purpose for your life. Now, Paul is going to talk about this barrier to faith, this barrier to faith for us, and this barrier to joy, and here's what he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How many of you know somebody who just complains all the time? How many that they're sitting next to you right now? Okay, no, no, don't raise your hand on that one. Or maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. See, most Christians do some things, without complaining, without grumbling and arguing. The real difficulty comes in this command, do everything. Literally, it's do all things. All the things that are going on in your life, do all of these things without grumbling or arguing. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't confront or admonish. This doesn't mean that you don't confront injustice, because we have to do those things. But you do that in love. But grumbling is quite different than that. Because grumbling is a reflection of a spirit of ingratitude. Grumbling is a way that we rationalize our disobedience to God. Grumbling will rob your joy. It is like relational cancer in your life. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. See, here's the reason we argue. We argue because we think that we're right. Have you ever been in an argument and realized that you are wrong? But you keep arguing your point? Why do we do that? What is behind that? Well, James gives us a clue of why we do that. Here's what he says. He says, what causes, what's the source of fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. The reason that we argue, the reason that we we start these fights is because we don't get what we want. That's the reason. Well, let me just take this even a step further. It's not that I just don't get what I want. I don't get what I think I deserve. See, at the source of this, it is entitlement. It is all about me. And Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that he's going to give us the reason right here. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. See, I think we read this and this doesn't quite make sense to us because what would make sense to us is if we read this and he says, do not lie so that you may become blameless and pure. Do not cheat do not. Cheat Do not cuss. Do not steal so that you may become blameless and pure. But that's not what he said. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that that God can do something in you. You may become blameless and pure. And then look what he says. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He is quoting Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 32. This right here, this last part, he's quoting Moses so that you'll be without fault. See, have you ever noticed that Christians don't always have the best reputation in our country? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that sometimes on TV or maybe people that you know talk about Christians because they have all kinds of faults? He says, you live this way so that you will be without fault. There's no fault that they can find in your life with all the people who are looking in. People who aren't followers of Jesus, but they're looking in to see how followers of Jesus react. He says, that's why we do this. And then he says this. He says, then he's going to give us the result of this. That if you'll do that, he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, that you will be able to shine. See, when we stop trying to get our own way and we stop this complaining and arguing, we become blameless and pure, and then we shine like stars. Then we become this influence in the world. Then we become the light of Christ. And then here's this last verse we're going to look at today. He says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. It says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, my guess is you probably do not use that phrase, a drink offering. It's probably not something in your vocabulary. Let me tell you what is going on here. In that culture, in Jewish culture, they would offer a sacrifice to God. It was a way that that they would offer trying to get right with God and at the end they would pour this glass of wine, this cup of wine on top of it and it would make the flames ignite and cause the smoke to billow up. And I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says that my life, that I'm being poured out like a drink offering on your sacrifice and on your service, that I am pouring my life out for you see, I think this is something we can learn right here about pouring our life out. Andy Stanley, that he says that it is our responsibility to empty your cup. It's your responsibility to empty your cup. See, I don't have everything that I need to know to fill your cup. There is not enough in me to fill your cup. It is not my responsibility to fill your cup. It is my responsibility to empty my cup. And I used to feel the weight of this in my earlier years of being a senior pastor because someone would come up to me and they'd say, Shane, you know, we're going to another church because, you know, I'm just not being fed. You know, Shane, it's just not deep enough for me. And so I would just take this to heart and I would try a little harder and I would study a little bit more so that I could try to fill everyone's cup and give them everything that they needed. And it was just impossible. It just wore me out. But what I have learned, it is not my responsibility to fill your cup. That's your responsibility. My responsibility is to empty my cup. And so I am continually filling my cup. I'm continually trying to fill my cup so that I can empty it. And your responsibility is to fill your cup. You put yourself in environments that fill your cup. You get into the Word of God so it fills your cup so that in turn, you can empty it on the people who are around you. That's your responsibility. So so let me just kind of put this into practice for us. If you're single, if you're single here today, the question for you, are you pouring your life into someone who is younger than you? Are you pouring your life into someone who is going through the same things that you've gone through before and now you can help them? Husbands, have you poured out your life out for your wife? Serving her and loving her the way God has called you to do. Wives, are you pouring your life out to serve those who are around you? Parents, have you emptied yourself to your kids? Teaching them how to navigate conflict. Modeling how a follower of Jesus leads through difficulty. If you're a student, you're junior high or high school in here. You have friends at school that don't know Jesus. It is your responsibility to empty your cup, to pour your life into people around you who don't know Jesus. Paul says, when I pour out my life, when I do that, I am glad and rejoice. You will never experience joy if it is all about filling your cup and never pouring it out towards others. Well, here's this joy principle for today. Here's this bottom life, bottom line principle. It's this, is that joy cannot coexist with grumbling and arguing. Joy cannot coexist with grumbling and arguing. I was trying to figure out a, a way to say this positive. I was trying to put this in a positive light, and I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, well, this is just what the Apostle Paul told us. He said, do everything without grumbling and arguing. That joy cannot coexist with grumbling and arguing in your life. Because grumbling and arguing are all about me. Pouring my life out is all about you. And you will not have joy as long as it's all about you. The antidote for grumbling and arguing is gratitude. The only way to break the cycle of grumbling and arguing in your life is to have a spirit of gratitude. And so I kind of thought of this in a formula for us. And here's this formula, is that grumbling plus arguing equals misery. Do you know that person? They're just miserable all the time. And it's always about grumbling and arguing their way because they're always right, and it leads to misery. Or maybe I could say it this way, grumbling and arguing leads to entitlement. Because entitlement, this is what I deserve. I have earned this. So grumbling and arguing becomes all about entitlement. But see, here's this formula that can begin to change us and to drive our lives. It's pouring out plus gratitude equal joy. When you begin to pour your life out and live with a sense and a spirit of gratitude, that's when you begin to experience real joy. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. In this section, I told you that the Apostle Paul, he quotes Moses in, Genesis, in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, because if there was one group who was famous for grumbling and arguing, it was the children of Israel. I mean, they just grumbled about everything. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 16. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron The Israelites said to them, and I think this helps just to kind of read this in a whiny voice, how they would have said it. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They make it sound like their time in Egypt was one great big fondue party with an all-you-can-eat salad bar. They make it sound like it was just wonderful. Any guesses of how long they had been out of Egypt at this point? Any guesses? You remember, remember how God parted the Red Sea and they got to escape Egypt? Any guesses on how long it had been that they had escaped Egypt? Three days. Three days. They had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. For generations, they begged God to rescue them. And then God does some miraculous events to rescue them. And they have been free for three days, and this whole community is grumbling. If only we had died in Egypt, that would have been better. But you brought us out here to starve us to death. Well, as I was studying this week, I found 14 different times that the children of of Israel grumble and complain. Now, there may be more than that. So if you find more than that, then, then let me know. But I found 14 of them. And they were not simply complaining about their conditioning. They were complaining against God. Because this longing to go back to Egypt, it was as if they were saying, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off as slaves. We were better off without you. Do you know what happens when you grumble and argue, when you complain? It becomes contagious. It becomes contagious in a family. It becomes contagious at work. Just a few people begin to grumble and complain and argue. It happens in a church where one person begins to grumble to another person. And before long, it becomes toxic. It is, it's toxic in a marriage, it's toxic in a friendship. It's toxic in a family, it's toxic in a church, and it will rob you of the joy that you so desperately desire. So we're going to have a theme verse for this week, and maybe this just needs to be your theme verse for this year. It's just these words right here, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And so I want us to say this out loud together because I want us to get this. Let's say this together do everything without grumbling or arguing. And I want to practice something that we did the week before we moved into this building four years ago. That um, for those of you who are newer to the crossing, that the venue across the courtyard is where we used to have our worship gatherings. It was our auditorium for nine years. And over there, You know, it became this place that it was comfortable. So many people, thousands of people had had a spiritual experience with God over there. It was this great place for us. And it just felt comfortable. And I knew that when we moved over to this building, it was going to feel uncomfortable. That we are going to kind of be out of sorts. And that not everything was going to work perfectly. So we practiced this principle together. And I thought it would be good for us to do it again. Because here's what's going to happen. That when you leave here, the parking lot is going to be crowded and you aren't going to be able to get out as quickly as you would like, and somebody's going to pull in front of you, and you're going to be tempted to grumble, but you're not going to do that because you're going to say... Okay, 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 (laughs) okay. Apparently, there's only a few of us that have made this our theme verse because the rest of you guys aren't with me. So we're going to try this again because when that happens, you're going to say... Okay, you're you're making me feel better about myself at this point. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and you can't figure out why your boss is not more understanding, or you're going to go to school, and your teacher is going to be a jerk again, and you're going to be tempted to complain to everyone around you, but instead of doing that, you're going to say, Your spouse is going to do that thing that drives you crazy. Now, I'm not talking about the good drive you crazy. i talking about the bad one that always leads in an argument. But this time it's not going to start an argument because you're going to say, Do everything Your in-laws are going to come to your house. And they're going to give you pointers on how you should be parenting your kids and you are going to be tempted to grumble and argue, but you're going to say, Do you come to church and the music is, is too loud, or you don't know why the pastor has to wear jeans every week, and it takes too long to pick up your kids, and you're going to start to grumble, but you're not going to complain, because you're going to say, Do grumbling see, I think if this becomes... Our mantra to do everything without grumbling and arguing. There's something that God begins to do in us. And this does not mean that you just bite your tongue. This is not just bite your tongue and don't complain and argue. That's not what this means. This is a spirit of humility. It's a spirit that I don't have to be right. It's a spirit that I have gratitude in God. And that is what brings joy in our life. To do everything. To do everything. Without grumbling or arguing. And Paul says that when you practice this, what happens is that you become blameless and pure. Think about this. When we begin to practice this, you become without blame. Nobody can point at you and blame you. We become without blame. It says you become blameless and pure. That in those times, they would take gold and they would put it under a refiner's fire and all the impurities would would come up and they would wipe all the impurities off. And what they would be left with was something that was pure. Apostle Paul says that when you begin to have this attitude, You become blameless and pure, and the result, what God does, is our lives become an influence into this world that we shine the light of Christ. That instead of us being the ones that everybody points at in this world, they begin to look at our life and go, we want that life. We want to shine like that. We want to have an impact like that. We want to feel like our life has purpose like that. Because God is working in you to fulfill his purpose. God has a purpose for you. And you get to partner with God on that purpose. Joy is an outcome. Joy is a result. And Jesus pointed the way. He pointed the way. But better than that, he invited you and he invited me to follow him. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I did not come so you'd be miserable. I did not come so that that life would be stolen away from you. Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly. So follow me. Follow me. And that's what Jesus is asking you to do today, to follow him. So I want to pray. And maybe as we pray, maybe it's just time for you just to confess You're grumbling and you're arguing to God and say, God, clean this out of me. Maybe for some of you, you are trying to work for your salvation. And it's time for you to realize that you can come to Jesus today because of what he's done for you. You are saved by grace. You cannot work for your salvation. You can only choose to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, when you follow me, you'll become like me. So I want to pray. And I just want you to meet God wherever you are right now in your life. And you talk to him. God, thank you. God, thank you for these words that you've saved for us that are so relevant in 2018. That these words of do everything without grumbling and arguing. God, I pray that you would get that deep inside of us and whatever stands in the way, God, you would clean that out. God, for those who are taking a first step with Jesus, maybe today is the day they would surrender their life to Jesus, stop trying to work for their salvation, and just accept it to follow you. God, we pray that you would just meet them right where they are today. So, God, we give this to you. We pray that you would use our our life to shine the light of Christ around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.